You are listening to Ball Side, Goal Side, putting coaches in a better position. Hosted by Ed Heberling and Eric Dabransky. All right, back uh, back here on Ball Side, Goal Side for another edition here in uh, Season 3, uh, Force. Um, Eric and I are excited to have uh, Rick Parlow in uh, with us this week to talk. Rick comes to us uh, for, currently with uh, Carolina Football Club. He coaches the 04 girls, and they just won State Cup in South Carolina. Um, but that's just the start of his his background. He's uh, He's been a little bit of everywhere and has an extensive background from 2009 to 2020. He's coached the D1, D2, NAI levels, also coached in the W League up in Boston, and uh, followed his wife to Germany to coach in a, a, with a regional league team that uh, um, was part of the Hertha Berlin uh, system. Um, I remember Rick coaching against him at St. Andrews, where he turned around a, a program at St. Andrews and uh, actually won the 2014 AAC Coach of the Year. And he's now coaching ODP uh, in both North Carolina and South Carolina and has that experience. So um, excited to have Rick on. Um, excited for you to be here, Rick, I guess. And, uh, you know, your, your background is going to be awesome, um, you know, and, and talking to, to our, our guests here, our, sorry, our listeners. And, um, yeah, really excited to talk to you here this week, uh, Rick. Hey, I appreciate it, Ed. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, Rick, I, obviously, Ed and I, like, like Ed said, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. I think for the three of us, and obviously a lot of our listeners, this is a topic that we're going to kind of cover that I think we all we all kind of continue to develop our, our kind of um, thoughts and our impressions about it. And obviously, the way we, the way we implement it as well, and I think it's free play. Um, within our practices, within, within the club environment, you know, college environment, those, those different levels, I guess, Ed touched on your background. You have an extensive background in coaching. What are things that you've changed to improve outcomes? I mean, of course you, you change with the athletes. I think the, the athletes that I started coaching back in 2000 are completely different from the athletes that, that, that we coach now. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they have a lot of similarities, but there's also huge differences as well. And one of the things that I've worked with is just trying to get them to, to free play a little bit more, get them to, uh, I think in the, in the nineties and even early two thousands, I think we got, we became too much of a drill culture. And when kids would get into games, all they would see is, and, and, and I'll admit when I first started coaching, I, I did the same thing, but they would get into games and they're like, the, the drill would be running great. And then all of a sudden the player from the other team would be where they were not supposed to be. And um, kids weren't free thinking. They, they would, they would they'd see that player and just kind of uh, stop play or almost wig out or not know what to do, get excited. I, I, uh, so that's one of the things that I started in probably 2005, 2006, when I really started noticing that I was like, hey, I think I'm more of the problem than I think it's the way I'm setting my practices up. Is, is not helping the kids be successful. So that was one of the things where I just kind of looked at myself and said, we've got to do something different. And that was about the time when everybody started talking grassroots and, yeah. and free play. And I started researching it and reading and going, this is exactly right because kids don't get out and play in the side yard like they used to. Yeah. Uh, I don't think uh, they have much more um, opportunity to watch. And I think we have kids watching more than we, than we got to watch growing up. But I don't think they're actually getting out in the, in the side yard and playing with their friends, doing stuff, trying their tricks. And uh, 
and, and all the different moves. They, if it's not at practice, they go to practice, they do that, they leave. So they're yeah. getting what three hours a week where we used to get 10 hours a week, seven of it unsupervised. Yeah. And that's where we became creative and, and, and did stuff. And I think you saw the players kind of to go into a uh, robot mode yeah. for, for years. And now they're starting to, we've started to realize, and, and, and it even shows in, in our, the, the way the national team played this year. Uh, you show that those guys have learned to free play again. And when they get thrown a wrench, they they're able to, to dodge it and keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and even just with you, how you kind of put it there, it just, again, opens my mind because to, to that portion of how you develop our athletes. And I think I'm so late to this free play, the, you know, the three, the free play aspect of it, because, you know, again, we, we want to recreate a portion of the game, but the game is going to recreate that portion. And I think I'm just, you know, you just start to realize it. Where, when did you start to, re- I obviously said around 2005, 2006, was there kind of a moment within your team or was, was there kind of scenarios that kind of brought that to your attention where like, Hey, this is a change that's going to, you know, benefit my athletes and me as a coach. Right. Um, well, that was about the time when I first started doing my coaching classes and just sitting around and, and, and chatting with the guys. Um, and it was literally the, the, the evenings off when you're working on your practice session for the next day and you're, and you're having that beer and you're just, it just comes from casual conversations. Uh, so I don't think it was any, and I, and I kind of noticed I'd, I'd had a, I was, I had a girls team there that I'd had since they were U 10s and they were probably U 13s, U 14s. And we were always second, third, fourth in the state could never kind of push to that next level. And so we'd kind of hit a, a stagnant point. And I was to the point to where I was almost like, you know what, I'm going to pass them off. I've been with them too long. I'm not giving them anything. I'm not, helping them advance anymore and then I started going to the classes and 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 I was very fortunate I was able to go to one of my classes in San Francisco I was able to go to one of my classes in Florida one of my classes in Pennsylvania so I was able to meet with coaches from around the or actually around the country and get different perspectives um so it was just a it was a great opportunity for me but now I don't think there was any one moment that was like that bright shining light it was that um it was just kind of over time and I think uh, I think that's kind of how we've all been there. It's like, oh, this is yeah, this makes sense. I, I you know, um, go back to, your, you know, your education and now they call it play practice play module. I'm sure Eric, who's going through the uh, grassroots instructor course, uh, is uh, very familiar with the play practice play model. And, and it, it to me, it makes perfect sense. And like you, it's like, why didn't we think of this a long time ago? Um, right. But as you're playing, I know for a coach that, you know, for me trying to implement free play, you're always thinking about, well, what am I going to teach? How do I teach these things? How are we going to, you know, what is our focus going to be today? Um, do you have specific objectives? And if so, how do you implement them in that training session? Or, and, you know, um, to, to kind of how Eric hit, get the lessons that the game teaches. Right. I, uh, I use a lot of gameplay. So I'll, I'll isolate an area on the field. And, and, and it's kind of, I guess you'd kind of say drill slash free play because I, give them the parameters, but then I'll let them go and let them be creative and figure out what they're doing. And it may be, it may be a half field thing where we're going three V two, six V four, whatever we're pressing with. And I've just, and I may walk through and show them like, this is the kind of check I'm looking for. This is, this is the kind of movement I'm looking for, but then I want them to step out and, 
and, and, and a lot of them are like deer in headlights when it first starts. They're all like, he's letting us choose. And then, um, then you start to see them do it. And as they do it more, they become comfortable with it. And, and then you see stuff break out in games that you're like, okay, she's, she's really being creative now. She's seeing it. Um, so I, I break it down into, into small sections in games throughout the field. And I may even tell them, I was like, okay, today we're focusing on the Fords. I'm not going to coach defense at all. And of course, I mean, we all say that as coaches and we always have, we see one kid slack it off. We're always going to, you got to step into this gap. Um, but I, but I let them know I'm focusing on, on these players today or these players today. And it, and it may be the same drill, two practices, two, three weeks apart, but I'm focusing on a different part of the team. Have, have you noticed the, have you noticed a change in the way you maybe conducted the free play aspect in the college game and then into the club game? Because obviously I, I have this conversation with coaches where in club you get teams two to three times a week and for an hour and a half, whereas in college you're having them every day. And then how does that translate to maybe overload in the three days that you have your club teams where you're like, Oh my gosh, I need to, I need to load seven days or six days into three. Right. Uh, how do you, how do you kind of incorporate, how did you kind of incorporate free play in both areas? Yes. Yeah, so in, in the club, uh, on the club side, of course, we're getting them three, three times a week. So I, we have an hour and a half that we go hour and a half to two hours. So I usually have enough time to, to work with them to, to get into the areas that we want. Um, on the college level, when you said when you were practicing three, four times a day, uh, a week, uh, there were a lot of times that I would shorten practices and go, we're focusing on this one today, this one tomorrow, this one here, because I, I was also a big uh, and it kind of comes from my sister's husband um, about the whole overtraining thing. I think that's that's uh, on the college side. That's that's I understand that you've got limited hours and everybody wants to go. But the, I mean, if the kids are exhausted, they can't. They can't keep going. They're going to end up getting hurt. Um, so it, it, there was there were days when I'd even give, if you're a midfielder up, I don't even want to see you today. We'll see you tomorrow. Today I'm taking the defenders, and we would do um, uh, something that I'd seen in a game or seen in a practice that we were lacking on or needed to improve, and then give them the next day off so that they are, they're not overtraining. Um, but now I just, on the college side, of course you had the big picture days, but, but a lot of times I broke it down into different areas and turned it into one V ones, two V twos, two V threes. Uh, I always, I always try to do it in, in, in a game realistic situation with, with, I mean, for lack of a better term, consequences one way or the other. And and what I've found is I think at the, you know, all around is that it, it does take communicating in all areas because I, I again, being in, in club soccer and, and you, you both knowing it as well, it's, you have the 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 parents or the observers saying, "Oh, all coach does is line them up and play, you know, play," and you're like, "Yeah, I mean, there." And you have to, you know, kind of really communicate the benefits of playing because, as you mentioned earlier, this is the the moments that they're going to get that that free play. And that's one of the things. Last year, I coached my my son's academy team. It was a U10 team, and I worked with them. And that was one of the things that I brought the parents to at, at the very beginning. I said, "Look." I said, you're going to see the kids just playing a lot. I said, it's going to look like I'm not doing anything or that I'm not coaching. I said, and there's a reason for that. Cause I, I want them to figure it out. I said, I'm, I'm, 
now with the little with the little ones i gave them little quips and and pointers and tips and stuff and every once in a while i'd stop play if it was getting too much into a let's just chase the ball around and knock everybody down uh with my older girls i never saw i never saw parents at games so that was how they gauged everything off uh, off was how we improved from because being in the national league we play about every three weeks so it was do they look better this week than they did three weeks ago? Do they look better now than three weeks ago? Are, are, are we making the improvements of where we made mistakes three weeks ago? So that that's where, of course, as, as they get older, you don't see the parents as much except at games. And I think, uh, I think that's the important part that you brought up there was that you, you were proactive with the parents and explaining mm-hmm. what that is and what, so they have that expectation and they know what's going on because um, so much of American sports is a coach yelling on the sideline, calling a timeout for basketball or whatever, calling in a play, you know, soccer right. just doesn't have that. And they have to get used to that experience. Um, how how did your players and parents like what kind of feedback have you been given from them by doing more free play or gameplay type things that, that you know, you feel would be beneficial for our listeners to hear? Um one of the things with so with my younger team last year, uh, the thing I heard a lot was we really see the boys' touch getting better. We see their vision getting better. They're they're getting forward. That he played a, a a through ball and somebody actually ran onto it. Um, so so you get that kind of feedback and and parents would, and, and we have a thing. We've got our our club is small. We've got four fields. Uh, so all the little kids train from first, and then the older kids train. So you've always got parents walking around and, and watching it. And and one of the things that I I'll hop in and joke with them and play as well. But they, the, the feedback that I get is that they really can see them improve from that head down, look at the ball, keep it at your foot to head up, opening your hips, playing the ball in, in different areas, different zones, seeing different things. Um, so that that's from the, from the, from the Academy side, that was what I, what I heard uh, from the, uh, from the older ones, just, you hear them talk about, man, they're connecting more. They seem to be knowing where they're going. They seem to be understanding uh, where to be and that somebody's going to be there. And you and you really see them playing that ball for that overlapping run into space or playing that ball for someone to, to, to drop back. And you've got someone making the outside run. So you, the, from, from the parents, when they see them every three weeks, um, you really get that kind of feedback of what they're seeing. So a bit selfish here for you, Rick, because uh, I've um, I started, you know, at the program I'm at and I've tried to introduce free play some and the players are are just kind of I don't want to say standoffish, but they're just like. What what are we supposed to do? Right. Like they I, I think they get confused. It's like, hey, look, we're working on attacking close to goal, you know, trying to create numbers up. How have you approached that part of it? And you know, the, that clear communication with your players, you know, to that I'm, I'm allowing you to make mistakes. I want you to fail. I want you right. to, to do that. I'm not, you know, this is a time for that. How, how do you approach that with your players? I just basically pitch the ball out and tell them to have fun. And I step back and I, and I'm, I just make them do it um, for lack of a better terms. And they're like, coach, I have a question. Coach isn't here right now. So I, I really, especially with the younger ones, and the, and the and the funny thing with my older girls is they're all they're all wanting to follow the rules, so they want to know, well, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? I was like, did I say you couldn't? As long as I don't, as long as I don't put a restriction, as long as I don't say it, it's not a restriction. And 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 that's they it, and I've had this this team for 
for three years. Uh, this year we had a lot of influx of new players because I had so many graduate last year. Uh, but my, my uh, three returners this year who'd been with me for three years. And it was kind of funny when the new girls would be like, what does he mean? They'd be like, just play. Yeah. They're like, what, what is, um, cause I, I mean, Ed, you've, you've been on the sideline with me. I joke with the kids. I, I'm, I have, I'm sarcastic. We, we love to play and we love to go. And, and my new girls were like, I don't, I don't, is he being, is he being serious? And my returners are like, no, just play. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Ed brings that up in terms of every team that, that I've been with and, and coached, they, they take to the free play a little differently. There's some teams that are just, Oh, this is the best part of the set, you know, and you're like, great. And then there's some teams like, Oh, coach, we're just playing again, you know? And, it, and it's yeah. just, uh, you know, it gets frustrating a little bit because, again, you're just, you're just trying to introduce these, these moments that you can't introduce when you structure something, when you, when you, like you said, you have that drill culture where it's just like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to shadow, shadow defend. We're going to, you know, just press mm -hmm. you, you know, and then, and then release, you know, the game really teaches those moments. Um, how have you gone about kind of introducing your principles that, that are non-negotiables for you as a coach in terms of, do you kind of interject when they play a little bit? I know you were saying when they ask you questions about, um, you know, maybe the parameters, but how do you kind of maybe start forming that, that uh, foundation of the principles of play or, or how you want to structure um, your style of play? I, yeah, I kind of started on day one. Okay. Uh, I kind of let them know that I'm, I'm not, uh, I want to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do, we're going to do a technical warm up. We're going to do a little tactical bit of the session. Uh, we're just going to talk about something here just so you guys, and, and the younger kids, they're not going to get it. Uh, so the younger kids is like, I'm just going to show you something so that you see it. And then we're going to go to play because that's where, you, that's where you need to be touching. And you need to be getting those touches on the ball. And Ed, to, to answer your question, what else do I do? Also, we do a lot of interclub scrimmages. Last 30 minutes, I grab another coach and say, hey, your boys want to go against my girls. Do you, do, I go to the older boys and for my younger boys and say, do you, do you want to play for 20 minutes at the end of the game? And I'll put them in positions that they normally don't play, and, and I don't coach. I kind of let them free play. I, I tell them, I said, this is on you guys. Have fun. So when they see that game type thing and they've got the goals at the end, uh, I found with the younger ones, especially the free play, is they jump into it a lot faster. When they're like, okay, because they see that structure, but it's free play. They don't really understand it's free play at that point. But I'm not yelling out instruction and, and, and coaching them. I'm letting them just go. Um, but no, I, I try to start that right off, right off the bat. And I tell all my my older teams when I when I take them over, if I have new players coming in, I, I explain to them. I say, look, I I I don't yell a lot of instruction. I, I sit on the sideline. I want you to think. I want you to play because. If I'm sitting up yelling instruction the entire time, you're not making decisions. And a lot of times I'm sitting at a bad angle. I'm not going to see something that you see. So the older kids, you can kind of break it down a little bit more and explain it to them. The younger kids, you have to kind of trick them into it. <laughs> so how does, all right, because this, I think you bring up a great point that, that I think us as coaches, we, especially at the younger levels, we fail to do at times. We're like, Oh, this person's, you know, already tall. So we're going to put them at center back or this person's, you know, fast. So we're going to put them up at forward and hope that, you know, how, how do you start implementing this whole, you know, in that free play? Hey, there's no, no positions or I'm not putting you in positions or, you know, you're going to go play. I want you as a forward to try defender. What's your approach there with your players? 
Uh, with the younger ones, I see where they um, where they migrate to, and so I start to I say, okay, so this per- this kid's obviously comfortable here, and um, I'll train I'll train him or her there, and then the next practice I may move them somewhere else, but I always two out of every three practices, I'm putting them back in the position that they naturally migrated to. Um, and, and also just kind of listening to them. Uh, I, I would like to play up front or I'd like to try this or I'd like to try that. Cause that's, that's my thing, especially with my younger ones when I was at Academy, nobody has a position and everybody plays at least half the game. And I would, I'd move kids around and I can remember my, my son coming home going, I don't like being up front. I don't like being up front. He loved, he loves defending. He loved goalkeeping. But I was like, you to be a, an all-around player, I said, you're going to have to go up front some. And then he, he scored a goal, and he's like, I love being up front. <laughs> I never want to play in the back again. But, uh, but no, I, a lot of it is just I, I, I kind of watch them where they naturally migrate to and kind of develop from that, but also make them expand and put them in positions where they're uncomfortable. But also in, in listening to them, a lot of times you can – you, it's amazing what you can hear with the two kids sitting on the bench talking back and forth. And, and you may catch tidbits off of that going, I wish I could play up front sometimes, or I wish I could play here. But, and the young ones don't have a problem asking no. a lot of times either. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you feel by increasing that um, chances to play other positions or, or putting them in other positions, it has helped their development and understanding the game a little bit more? Um, have you seen or heard any, you know, changes from the players that way. Cause you know, I, I know players, Oh, I'm a, I'm a wing player here, but all of a sudden then when they get the understanding that they're right defender, they're a right wing and they're not doing, you know, their job, it becomes a challenge. Right. Is that, are those things you talk about too, when you change those positions around? Yes. I, I try to let them know that I said, you, you just need to be well-rounded. You need to be able to go everywhere. Um, but yeah, I do try to try to talk to them and, and say, look, I know you prefer playing left back, but I need you to do this. And then you see that once they maybe play forward some or play in the midfield, and they and especially if they're a defender or if they're a, a midfielder trying to figure out and then put back a defense, and now they're trying to say, oh, on the outlet pass, I've got to get here. I think it helps them open up and, and see the game as well from another point of view. Yeah. Well, this is why the left back keeps losing the ball because I'm standing still and not getting to the to the wing where he's trying to lay the ball to. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think playing the different positions, I, I think it, especially at the younger age, it really really helps them develop and, and understand what their teammates are going through. How do you go about setting up a week of training? I mean, what is I, I know you talked about you know when you met with the parents and the players you kind of told them that hey we're going to do this 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 leading up to free play what what is is it typically three phases that you that you go through per session do you and then free or two phases and then free play being the third phase what, what's kind of the structure that you kind of uh stick to uh yeah that's um we uh three phase we do uh they do it. They have a technical warm-up that they go through where they, they do it all together and they've got their set routine that they do. They're comfortable with. We can knock that out. And then we go right into a, a little tactical session uh, and then straight into free play. Um, a lot of times, and a lot of times they like to end up, and I even like, uh, like one of our finishing drills that they love to do is a game called touch the post where we bring the one up to the top of the 18 and went to the bottom of the 18, split the team in half and it's just constant going, but they're still playing two V two with the goalkeeper 
So it's still a free pace, free play situation, just working on that, that quick shooting. So yeah, I, I, they have their, their set, um, warm up that they do so that all three practices those are usually the same unless i throw something at them just to to throw them off or make them do something different and then we go right into our our technical session and i, and I base those off of what i saw in our last set of games yeah areas that i think we need to improve or or strengthen up or tight tidy up a little bit yeah that would bring my next point thing because i was going to ask you with that video is huge most clubs now have access to video do you prepare your, your players? Like, you know, I don't know if you use a Veo or, you know, whatever uh, that you have for, for video. Do you send out pre videos that says, look, these are areas that we need to improve upon um, that we're going to work on a practice. Do you do those kinds of things or is it just a, you know, talk about it and, and then throw them out there and play. Uh, we just kind of talk about it and throw it out there. We have a VHO, but they use it for when kids are trying to put together uh, college uh, films uh, to send off to coaches. So we don't, we don't use it that often at, at practice. Um, I would love to, cause I mean, of course, you know, that that's something great about when you're in college, you've got uh, somebody there that can, that can film, you can take the game and break it down. Um, but we very seldom, I think it was at our state cup last year, but I didn't see it at all this year. Um, and none of the, none of the girls asked for it. And because I, I mentioned, I said, we have it. Let us know if, if you want to put together a, a, a video, we can pull it out. So we don't have any, any games. I, I would love to have that, but it's also hard too when, when they're high schoolers and they're going nonstop and they're doing everything else. Yep. I don't know oh, how sure. much of it would actually get watched. <laughs> yep. No, for sure. Now I think I probably should ask this at the beginning, but, uh, but what, what do you see as, and I guess I'm just using the word productive or I guess enhancing free play in terms of, is it directional? Is it like, because I guess, is it, do we, do we account for possession being free play? Do we account if there's goals involved? Is it, how, how do we kind of uh, view the way free play should be um, implemented? When, when I go to free play, I always use goals. Okay. Because I always want them. Uh, I want them being directional. I want them. Okay. I want them having an idea. Um, because I'm I'm one of the coaches that I, I I tell every one of my players is like as soon as you receive the ball, your first look is forward. Yep. Um, we, we that's where we score. So we got to yep. get the ball that way. We've yep. got to get the ball that direction. I mean, we can we can possess the ball for 90 minutes, and still lose one zero. So I'm I'm big on let's get the ball forward. Look for your highest pass that you can get to without just whacking it as like your highest pass that you have a high percentage to, to make. Um, so that's when, when the free play comes in out and, and we're going into free play games, then we may set it up. It may be a thing where we do three tiny goals. We may do uh, a quarter field. We may do half field. So I, the size of the goal changes and how many goals we have, how many goals that we're using, but I always tell them today, I want you looking to play the ball wide, cross it in. And that's where you score from. Uh, it has to be a one touch off the cross uh, or another one is the ball has to be dropped back and shot. Yeah. So those may, if, when we do free plays, I may give them some parameters. So they're not just okay. running straight at the ball. I mean, yeah. straight at the goal. They're, they're, they're attacking the goal from, from different angles, different positions, different, different types of plays. Yeah. Um, but I always, I always try to use the goals uh, when, when we do that. Yeah. 
it's it's again we're all in this in this coaching world where you know the way you structure sessions and the way you develop players everybody has a different view of and i think you know i i still and I, and i'll i'm free to admit it i i still enjoy the passing pattern aspect of it the 10 minutes the 12 minutes of an activation you know now adding the cognitive part to it is obviously something that i've tried to develop what? it's like hey it's it, here's the pattern but it has multiple facets to it where you can make multiple decisions to get to the you know from point a to point b to point c or you know like you said find that that longer pass and connect line uh, channels but um i still believe there's a value in going through that routine and and getting Absolutely. you know getting comfortable with that aspect of it um you know so but for me free play has been a game changer with my teams just because of the decision making and, and those aspects what have you seen you talked about the touches the ideas the creativity but i guess in development what are some of the the benefits that you've come across um you know whether it's even just from the coaching side or the player side as far as the the free play yeah as is the free play you just kind of see it and, and, and it happens at, at all different ages and different different spots in the game but it's it's when you see that light come on and and you just yep. see and it's like when the light comes on with one then all of a sudden it starts popping up on on several of them because they'll they'll see johnny do it and they're like that's what he's been talking about and then yep. it, it just kind of it, it's one of those when somebody gets it you just kind of see it spread so that that was a huge benefit with the little ones, the, the older ones, um, the benefit is just seeing them expand their game, just seeing their game go in a different direction. Um, and, and, and I can tell when I, when I get coaches, when I get girls who, who've been with other coaches, you, you'll see a style of play that, that they're used to playing. Yeah. And I just like to, to, okay, well, let's try this now. That's not a bad decision, but let's try this. Think about this. Think about think about playing the ball here, uh, just to to expand their mind. And that's always been one of my big things. Was I'll I'll be letting the kids play, then I'll just freeze it, and I'll step out and I go, "What what did you see just then?" Yeah. And I'll have everybody frozen. I'm like, "Look around. What do you see now?" Yeah. And they're like, "Okay." And I go, "Now your your decision was right. It was correct. All all the decisions are correct." I go, "But I want you to see that you had these other three as well." So that seeing that, um, and, and that gets a little bit more, of course, at the smaller level, it's just kind of yeah. being the free play. They, they're learning to be positional and angled and, and the older, when the older girls, you get more into that cognitive where they're like, oh, yeah, that's what he's talking sure. about. Yeah. And, and I think to, to those points, I think one of the, one of the areas that I've really seen is, is playing out of pressure. I think when you get. Mm -hmm you get a lot of younger players that are so worried about making a mistake or losing possession because in their mind, losing possession equals a goal against. And we all right. know that's not always the case. It, it takes multiple things to happen and good runs and turn, you know, things like that. And I think, you know, you want to encourage younger players to, to be creative and be, you know, adaptive in those moments. Right. And that's where like, I, I tell our players when we do possession, I give them a lot of unlimited touches um, a lot of moments where we're unlimited because I'm like, I want you to have to get out of, out of pressure, you know, like, and obviously there is, there's a benefit of going to touch one touch, you know, touch restrictions because of the decision-making, but a lot of times I want them to be creative, getting out of tight spaces and, and feeling comfortable. 
and, and I think it's important as well that when they get into the games, especially when they're younger, that even when things aren't going right, you yep. make them stick with the plan. Oh yeah. Uh, but these guys were were playing a, a team last year in a tournament, and I think we were like two minutes into the second half, and they're up seven zero, mm-hmm. and the other coach was still lining all their boys up at the hold line. So as soon as my kids would tap it over, they were five kids running at them. They were a year older, they were they were more athletic, and the kids were like, "Can we just take it long? Can we just get no? Keep doing yeah. it, keep yeah. keep passing the ball because that's what they were doing. They would they they'd fly up, pick up our missed pass." And just put it in the back of the net. So I made the, the kids continue to do it. And then all of a sudden, they broke through one time. And you could see them. They were all like, we, we did it. Yep. And from that point on, they broke through about half the time. And then and that was one of the things we were sitting around at dinner that night. And I was talking to the parents. I was like, one of the dads was like, I love that you didn't change what you were doing just to, to, to get it out. I said, well, if I do that, then I'm teaching them that when things get tough, you quit what you do. Yep. And I said, I want them to... To mistakes are going to happen, but unless you have that pressure, um, you're, you're not going to get better unless we're playing those older teams that, that put that pressure on you and, and you learn to, to play under pressure. You're never going to advance to reach your full potential. I like that. It's uh, that growth mindset for the players. It gets them, gets them thinking that, uh, you know, it's okay to fail. We'll keep working right. through it and then we'll find that success. And then they'll start to correlate that to other parts of the game. Um, yeah, you know, the, the last thing I want to come back to uh, before we start the, the finishing drill here, Rick, is you mentioned asking the players what they saw um, on the field uh, earlier. I feel like that's one of the questions us as coaches that, you know, because you, me and Eric are all probably of the same generation. We weren't taught necessarily to to ask that question. We just jump in and say, hey, what you did was wrong. You know, like, yeah, done this. What uh, what has been the response from your players with that question? What's the how, how have you seen that question be so powerful with your players? Because I think it's something that we we can all incorporate better as coaches. Yeah, for for the most part, I think um, the kids once they realize they're not in trouble. Now, the first time I do it, people are like, "Oh my gosh, what did I do?" And then when I'm just like, "No, no, no," I said, "It worked out." I said, "But I wanted to know what what other options did you see?" Would you so? The girls, my older girls team that I have, they they really got they would really get into it, and and if I stopped it and asked somebody what they saw and they were like, uh, I saw this, you hear all the other girls go ooh, because what I what I, at that point what I'm wanting to do is I'm just you don't necessarily have to play all the options, but do you see the other options? So if if they had their head down and and, that, and a lot of times I would stop it when their head was down and they'd be like, well, I, I saw this person over here and there might have been somebody back here. Um, the girls kind of, kind of quip at them and give them a hard time about it. Um, the boys, they'll, they'll make up things I saw my, 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 my U10s. They'll be like, I saw this, 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 this. I was like, that's more, that's more players than we have on the field. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but no, I've, I've had good response from it because I'm trying to show them that, Hey, your decision was correct. Whether it worked out that time or didn't work out. But what, what else did you see? What are your other options? Do you see what your other options are? And are you thinking three plays down? Because where you, where you ended up playing the ball, it's now going to take at least two more passes to get to the forward. Whereas if you'd gone here, it'd have been to the forward the very next touch. So I was like, those are the things I want you thinking about. It doesn't necessarily, when I say look forward, it doesn't necessarily mean to be, you're the one making that final pass, but you can develop 
by where you play the ball, you can develop the play farther down. It's one of the most powerful questions you can be asking your players is what they're seeing and how they're, what, you know, because uh, you get feedback, but then you're also, it opens a door that you can, like you said, start to see that things, the, you know, the other options that are there, because, you know, as Eric said, in our passing drills, it's A to B to C, but sometimes A to C works just as well as A to B, um, you know, and so as, as you start to train their minds to see that, but also it allows them to know that we can, there are so many options without feeling like they're being judged all the time by the coach for not, you know, because some coaches are joystick coaches and right. tell you where to go and all that. So I, I just appreciate that. I feel like that's a, a great thing to, you know, um, kind of end on here before we go to the finishing drill. I'm going to start favorite book, Rick. Favorite book. Um, I like anything political thriller. Mm, uh, okay. I love anything political thriller. Um, Vince Flynn, James Patterson, anything that's suspense, thriller, anything like that. All right. All right. How about favorite TV show? Or favorite? Oh, you can, you can never go wrong with the Big Bang Theory. Right. I'll sit down and, and watch that, uh, an episode of that before I go to bed at night. Um, but with kids, we were really into uh, Lego Wars. Okay. We watch Lego Wars and then any of the kids baking championships. Because I just sit back, I was like, I'm almost 50, and I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> and the kid's like nine, and she's like, I'm mixing the cardamom with this and that. And I was like, I don't, I've never even heard of half of those spices. My goodness, that's fantastic. Favorite team? <laughs> um, head to Berlin. Mm, okay. All right. I got the From being there, how long were you there in Berlin? The... We were there for two years. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, so we lived uh, we lived just down the road from the stadium. Awesome. Uh, who's your favorite player? Uh, I'd have to say Sadia Ma Sadia Ma Mane. Mane. I yeah. just I, I just like the way he plays. He's 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 he works hard. He shares the ball. He he does what needs to be done. And and then, and then what really does it for me is off the field. Yeah. The stuff he does off the field with with what he does with his money and how he helps. Yeah. Uh, people back home. That's just that. Yeah. That uh, that does it for me. That was that's my way over the top with him. Yeah. Being a Liverpool fan myself, obviously Sadio Mane is a tremendous player, but like you said, tremendous uh, person as well, and, and somebody that we've, right. we've followed quite closely. And I think they've missed him this year. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> What's uh, definitely missed him this year. Best advice. Just be kind. Just be kind and play and have fun, and that, that's the one of the things I always told uh, my my teams is, hey, you don't know what your teammates going through, especially when they're not like when you're on a college campus. They do a lot more because they're all together. Yeah. But when you've got the when you've got the, the the high school kids, they 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 don't always know what's going on. They go to different high schools. They somebody may came come in and who's usually nice, maybe a little short and snippy. Yeah. Um. I'm sure there's a reason they, their, their personality didn't change in the, since, since Wednesday. Um, so just, just be kind and be nice. And, and the little ones I tell, I said, everybody's going to learn at a different level yeah. at, a, at a different speed. That's like, that's why we have three teams in this age group so that you can move to where you need to be. So be kind and everybody's trying to get there. I like that. Simple. Yeah. Easy enough to do. I think, well, it's easy enough yeah. to say sometimes yeah. it can be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a, again, it comes back to, I think some of the other points that you've made about, 
providing an environment that they, they're allowed to fail and providing an environment that they're allowed to share their what they're seeing allows you to to really grow and develop the players not just as athletes but as as humans as well so right. um, yeah appreciate that rick uh it was great having you on i appreciate you jumping on with us and and uh sharing a little bit about your history and your background and and about free play Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys, Eric, Ed. It's been a uh, a pleasure and a blessing to be on. I appreciate the 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 time. If you enjoy our show, please follow and subscribe to our weekly podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Anchor FM. Also, follow us on social media on Twitter at ball underscore goal underscore side and on Instagram on ball side goal side.